Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the co-founder and president of The Business of Cannabis. This is B of C Live for Monday, July 27th, 2020. This and all other B of C Lives are available on our website at businessofcannabis.ca, as well as wherever you find your podcasts. Coming up, a conversation with Dennis Adigamov of Can Delta for our regular Ask the Experts segment on Monday. He'll talk about edible product development regulations in Canada, which is an important conversation if this is one part of your work. Tomorrow, Brett Chang uh, will be joining us on BFC Live to talk about New Zealand's legalization effort and our benchmark newsletter will also be released tomorrow. Wednesday, we have a special program where we will go behind the scenes of a Toronto cannabis retailer that is about to open. On Thursday, we will have our regular weekly check-in with Liz Tahura from BDSA. She'll share her consumer insights as well. Thursday, we will have our job of the week from our friends at Cannabis at Work. Friday, we'll be joined by Matt Maurer uh, of Torque and Mains. Last week, we announced Torque and Mains as the official law firm of Business of Cannabis, so we look forward to checking in with Matt Maurer on Friday. We have some events coming up this Wednesday, July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We will have a Cannabis Forward Education Networking event called Can BC Lead Cannabis in Canada again. It's presented by Robic. It'll be hosted in Vancouver by Council 45. On Friday, August 7th, we will have a program, Lunch and Learn, uh, with Can Delta titled So You Want to Open a Cannabis Retail Store. It is a follow on to a series they are releasing on a weekly basis under the same title. Then on August 27th, it's a Thursday evening, we are co partnered with Diversity Talk for a Cannabis Forward Education and Networking event titled Social Equity in Practice. Tune in for that as well. You can always find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and on our website, businessofcannabis.ca. As always, thank you to our partners, BDSA, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, and now Torque and Mains. And we are protected by our partners at Elsit. Enjoy this conversation with Dennis Adigamov of Can Delta. Dennis, thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Jay. It's a real pleasure to come on. Uh, it's exciting for us too, because every Monday we get to learn something that we really, most of the time, have absolutely zero uh, about from our experts at CanDelta. And today you are the expert. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so, because I do have a question that um, uh, I think is pretty inside baseball, but inside baseball questions are the toughest ones to answer. So. Are you ready for this week's question? Yes, sir. Great. Uh, came in. Uh, what kind of product development tests can I do for cannabis edibles and what licenses will I need? Question mark. Well, that's a great question, Jay, because like any food manufacturer, you want to make sure that you're making a good product that consumers are going to like before you put it out on the market. Now, although palatability testing isn't required, it's something that should seriously be considered by any prospective edibles manufacturer. Now, to make edibles, you need either a cannabis processing license that authorizes the production of edibles or a cannabis research license for product development. So there are some allowances permitting limited research and development for existing processing license holders. But regardless, if the goal is to test the consumer's enjoyment of your cannabis product, 
that requires a cannabis research license because those subjects are going to be tasting or consuming cannabis. Additionally, you need to consider the kind of outcomes that are going to be measured. If you're measuring, measuring therapeutic variables such as onset time, pain relief, and duration of the effect, then that's going to require a clinical trial authorization in addition to your cannabis research license. Most tests that involve therapeutic effects on human subjects do require clinical trials, which can be very lengthy in scope and something to avoid if your product isn't being marketed as a therapeutic. Now, sensory tests, which examine the consumer's perception or preference that's based on sight, smell, touch, and taste, do not require clinical trials when the testing is limited to consumer cannabis products that are not represented as therapeutic agents. Palatability testing falls specifically under that category of sensory tests, and it's a very common practice in the food industry. So to do palatability testing for edible cannabis products that are in development, that would require having a cannabis research license, but not necessarily clinical trial authorization. So for a research license, there are several requirements you're gonna need. You're gonna to need to develop a protocol that summarizes the proposed research that you wanna conduct, uh, a calculation of the amount of cannabis that is gonna be needed for the research, and also an idea of the duration of time that you're gonna to need to do the research. You'll also need to find a licensed supplier that'll agree to provide you the cannabis needed to do this research. These research licenses can be effective for up to a maximum of five years or less, depending on the protocol but they can be renewed if the research keeps on extending. There aren't that many requirements to a research license, especially when compared to a processing license. So it might actually be a good idea to start product development by initially applying for the research license. And eventually, as you develop your formulation and start growing your facility, you know, the site fills, it expands, you can then apply for the processing license so that you'll be ready to sell your tailor-made product as soon as possible. But keep in mind that if you apply for a research license to develop cannabis edibles that are intended for human consumption or tasting, you're still going to need to adhere to GPP requirements and should have a preventative control plan as well. These are both required for processors that make edibles anyways, so it helps to have them done ahead of time. But there are alternative methods you could try to test your products, even though they might not be as reliable. So for example, you could do palatability testing of the non-infused versions of your 2B cannabis products. And this will not require a cannabis research license, nor a clinical trial authorization. But you need to be aware of where you can make that non-infused food. The cannabis regulations prohibit cannabis processors from producing, packaging, and labeling non-infused foods that are intended for sale at the same site where cannabis is being produced and stored. So in theory, nothing is stopping you from making a non-infused recipe at home for fun. But since this is a product that's going to be manufactured for the public, sanitary standards need to be maintained. And therefore, we'd suggest uh, professional industrial kitchen to be used. And these can be rented, or another alternative is you could 
partner with an existing food manufacturer to produce a small batch of your cannabis-free food for testing purposes. The issue though with testing the non-infused versions is that cannabis can have pretty strong flavors with all their terpene profiles that it could completely change the way your product tastes. So maybe you could tell there are a lot of ways that this can go, which is why this question does come up from time to time. Yeah. And the answers can vary really depending on your operations and goals. Yeah. It's interesting because um, you could see and you described a scenario that makes great sense, right? You want to be a processor long term. You have an application that you're ready to put in on a specific facility. And when you get that license, you want to actually go into production and you go into production with specific products and you could actually figure out what those products are by a research license, right? Um, which makes great sense. Um, because you never know when you're going to get the license, but you also might get a product that is awful. You got to keep going. Like there's just every, every, uh, um, every, not roadblock, but every decision in the road, which you described, there's like different branches out, which you could go. And which is why you need people like Can Delta to, to actually know those, know what's going to come down the road. And actually we talked about it, I think last week, some of the relative timing of some of those things, because you know, it, you know, you want to start making uh, testing, products, even non-infused, right? That's sort of one level. Then you want to actually infuse it and test what that's like as you're getting these other licenses. But like, you know, you want them to actually be relatively close together, those timelines, because you're just spending money otherwise, right? Um, and are we seeing, I guess the question is, and I don't know if you know this, but like, are we seeing lots of people sort of testing these products before they get their license in an effort to get ready for when they do get their license? Is that, is this pretty common? Uh, that is something that we do see with a lot of uh, coming applicants is them getting started on developing their processing license application and submitting at the same time an application for a research license so that they could start working on their product development as they're working on building out their facility for a full-scale processing operation for sure. Yeah. It's interesting because I actually, because we obviously we do this a lot. We talk to you guys about the regulatory side. Uh, on Wednesdays, we talk to our um, Consumer Insights friends at, at BDSA, and what they've off, we often talk about is like different flavor profiles, market openings that they've seen in other mature markets, what they see here. Certainly, we've also had on a contract gummy manufacturer based in Edmonton, and like everybody's trying to like figure out the licensing, the product, the consumer research that it's marrying up against. It's like it's not yeah. it's not like hey, let me make the best product because you make the best product, and some may already actually be in the market with that. You may get the best product, but you're three years out from actually getting the factual, getting it into market. It's like, it's, it's all of these things on parallel tracks with knowledge about what's happening across that, that makes the industry so challenging, right? Like it's, it's Absolutely. really, it's really interesting. Absolutely. And it also varies between the different product formats, you know, like a gummy is different from a chocolate is different from a drink. And it's easier to do product development and testing for some of these than for others. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, drink, especially if it's a dissolvable distillate thing, like that's a, that's a, with all due respect to everybody else, like that's a, that's a real science. It, it's net, it's even new science, right? It's breaking membranes in your body. Whereas a flavored gummy is, is really about the flavor potentially, not necessarily about the process to get it into your, your system and chocolate. It's about the interaction. A lot of times I believe with the actual chocolate and the cannabis. And what does that mean? What does that do to the flavor profile? Yes. But also the onset and all those things. Yeah, you're absolutely right with beverages. 
they're a whole beast on their own in yeah. terms of dissolving it properly and maintaining flavors and maintaining it to be distinct from a regular drink. It's, there's a ton going on there. And, yeah. and actually, we've had this conversation about Alberta took chocolates, at least for part of the summer, off the shelves because it couldn't deliver them without melting, which is another sort of, you know, yep. not, it's, it's also challenging, right? And we were, I was telling you before we came on, we were at birthday parties this weekend and all the kids' chocolate had melted before they got a chance to eat it. But it doesn't melt on the shelf because it's, you know, it's sort of standard chocolate because they've have 100 years of like trying out products so it doesn't melt. So you mm -hmm. actually get it outside and it starts melting, right? Like it's all of these things are, I mean, I find it fascinating. I think the, the cannabis geeks that watch what we do uh, find it really interesting, but also understanding the sort of regulatory environment that underpins it all is perhaps the most important thing to success, which is why we like checking with you guys on Mondays. I really appreciate that. Honestly, if anyone's curious about cannabis edibles processing and research for product development, feel free to reach out. You know, here at Candelta, we all come from a scientific background, so we're very comfortable looking at research protocols that come our way and giving advice and commenting on um, product formulations and preparing preventative control plans and advising on the Hub Canada licensing process with timelines. So if you have these questions, please feel free to come out, reach out, and we'll do our best. Yeah, I, I, I encourage that too, because uh, we've checked in with a lot of folks on the team. And every week, not only do we learn something new, but the backgrounds of the people that we're learning from are also quite, quite compelling and interesting. Um, and, and we have some more stuff coming up. What you want to, I don't know if you want to describe or I can describe, but, but like we do this every Monday. We check in with the experts. You guys, we have a question. You guys answer. Those questions come to us. We feed them to you. You guys get the answer. But we also, you guys are in the midst of like an article series about retail. We have something coming up on August 7th. So go ahead. Yes, sir. So we, we are doing this uh, retail article series, which has piqued a lot of interest. So it's a really good opportunity to come check us out at this Lunch and Learn that we're doing about two weeks uh, happening on August 7th. Yeah. It's, it's going to be on a Friday and it'll be a really great opportunity for the viewers to ask us their burning questions about cannabis retail and anything adjacent. Yeah, and I, I've been reading the I've been reading the articles too that have been coming out. Super interesting. The titles it's under the sort of umbrella of so you want to open a cannabis retail store, and so every week there's a different theme, and and so we'll be through about halfway through the ten part series when we do the lunch and learn on August seventh at noon. You can find out and sign up on businessofcannabis.ca, and then there'll be five more after. But that midway point, I know there'll be tons of questions, so we look forward to sort of hosting that. But you guys obviously will be answering the questions. We'll just be providing the format to actually do that. Um, so I, I, as always, I appreciate you making time and appreciate the expertise. Thank you for answering a burning question that we have about edibles and testing, uh, edibles and sort of product development. So thank you very much on that front. And we'll connect with you guys uh, next Monday and on Monday's hence, and then the Friday, the August 7th as well. Absolutely, Jay. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a, it was a pleasure. Great. Thanks, Dennis. Bye.